Hello, welcome to the second episode of Uncommunity Interviews, where we speak with community professionals. So today we have Shias, who is a friend, and we have worked in the past. So hello and welcome, Shias. Uh, so I mean, without further ado, let's get started. So please, uh, like, introduce yourself in like 30, 40 seconds, and then we take it from there. Cool. Um, thanks, Rafi, for the uh, introduction. Uh, really happy to be here. Um, as Rafi mentioned, we've worked before. We uh, have talked before. We've built communities together before. Uh, I've been building communities in open source uh, and tech for about five years now professionally. And I've been involved with uh, open source communities for about nine years. Uh, doing different stuff, you know, right from education to digital rights advocacy and uh, internet health related stuff. Uh, really happy to be here and uh, talk with you today. Nice. So you mentioned open source. Like, uh, can you tell us more about like how did like how did your journey started? Like, I'm sure it's through open source because your professional experience is five, and then you have been building for like nine years. So how did how did it work? Sure. Um, so I initially started volunteering with this community called Mozilla. Um, I started as a student ambassador and then, you know, grew the local community in my university. We did a bunch of stuff around um, providing education about web and technology to kids at schools. So we were, as part of that, we were invited to like different schools, universities, colleges across um, across uh, the country to give talks and you know talk to people about Mozilla, um, and that was my beginning with you know an open source project. And then I also did an internship with the Open Source Initiative, which is like this um, organization that sort of defines what open source software is, and you know they give out like licenses, they review licenses, and all of that. Um, so that has been my sort of introduction to. Okay. Uh, so, Shares, like I like, I'm sure you spend most of the time on the internet, and like, it's the same with me. So, uh, you have been like, I'm sure you spend most of the time on the internet. Like, so it's the same with me. Like, I spend most of my time on the internet. Like, uh, so uh, and we see a lot of definitions about community. Like. And like if I Google today, what's community? Like there are hundreds of definition. So what's what's community according to you? Like wh what is your definition? Like if if you want to explain it to someone, a, a community, what what does it mean for you? Sure. Um, yeah, we I spend a lot of time on the internet. We have no life. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, I mean to come back to your question about community, um, I think. To me, community is just about like bringing together different people and crafting those experiences and forming relationships um, together with like a shared sense of value or purpose, right? Um, and I think it's also important that all of these people that you bring may be affiliated with different communities, like that's fine, but your community, what you're offering them is just like one part of their identity, if that makes sense. So for instance, you know, I could be, interested in open source, I could be interested in photography, I could be interested in sneakers, right? All of these are like different facets. Uh, so me as an individual can belong to like 
or identify with these different communities. So I think really bringing together those different people and uh, providing those relationships and you know experiences to form a sense of identity is really what is community to me. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it makes sense, right? Like so, when when someone like you get people together who has a similar understanding of what they are trying to do or achieve. Uh, so that's yeah, that's that's a good good one. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, like among other things, uh, like uh, you have been working with startups for like five years or more than five years in different different domains. But one of the thing that caught me is interesting. What which got me interesting is like you work with like it's all blockchain and like maybe one or two or and and it's all similar to developer tools and platforms right so this is like almost a similar field or a similar domain so if someone wants to start their career as a community manager like is it necessary to stick to just one domain or or can they move from you know like the developer tools to the e-commerce to to any other kind of uh, domain which they're interested um, yeah, I think it's, I think it really depends from person to person. I think my specific area of interest, right? Like from, uh, as you mentioned, like these have been very dev focused and more specifically in dev, these have been open source focused, right? So if you take um, scroll back, scroll back was open source. And then I moved to Hasgeek, Hasgeek again, doing open source developer conferences. And then, um, you know, uh, Constellation Labs, they were also building um, an open source platform for, for which they wanted people um, and adoption and all of that. So I think the common thread between all of them has been open source, at least in my career. And that's because um, that is a conscious choice I've made because I'm specifically interested in that topic, which is uh, I've been contributing to open source even before I started my professional career. So I think um, just allowing, you know, just building that community and giving people the platform to do great things, you know, focus on developer education and invest in developers in an empathetic manner, like without shoving down your uh, agenda through their, you know, through their throats. Uh, what can you do to empower the ecosystem? Um, and how do you like build the community as a whole? Like how do you provide like leadership or mentorship or, you know, how do you see their career progress? Um, all of those things have been really passionate. That, that's something that I've been really passionate about. Um, so I've tried to stick with, uh, open source developer communities as a focus. Um, but to answer your question, I don't think it is necessary to do that. Like if someone who's starting out new, um, if you've not found your calling, like if you don't have a specific area of interest, but you know that you still want to build communities, I would say, go ahead, do experiment with organizations that you feel uh, is a good fit, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not ultimately about like getting a job. It's also about like finding whether it's a right fit. Like if there's a community that you're really passionate about, I think you should go for that. Um, I've, that said, I've also like managed uh, or held or consulted with communities that have been focusing on remote work and, you know, uh, building like, you know, how do you build a remote team and stuff like that. So I've consulted with that part of the projects as well. Um, but yeah, I don't think that should be, at least when you're starting out, right? But as you grow, I think it is key to, establish, I think it would be ideal to establish a niche because community management is a very wide profession, right? Like you have, if you Google for community managers, I think the first thing that comes up is also this real estate community management, uh, which That's is a lot. Yeah. 
property management, right? So I think um, community management can mean different things. It's also like social media and, you know, it, there's a whole lot of ambiguity in the space. Um, and I think as you grow, um, it would be better for you to like carve out a niche that you're interested in so that if someone's looking out for an opportunity, they know, they know who to reach out, right? So if there's someone looking for, out for like a developer, open source developer community manager, they know who to reach out to, or they can reach out to me, or, you know, uh, if they're doing an e-commerce thing, they can reach out to someone else, right? So I think it's, uh, as you grow in terms of seniority, I think that might be ideal to sort of carve out a niche. Yeah, yeah, understood, get it. So like, uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, so you need to build a kind of a, your, you know, people like, like you said, right? So you have been working in that space for years and the next thing, if, if, if someone needs a help regarding the open source developer community manager, they know, okay, I know a guy who has been in the space for years. He's pretty good. So, and you have built a brand for yourself for, by working over the years, right? So if some, if, if a new person comes out, like just like within a year and two and like, they don't even like, they don't have a name for themselves. Like they still have to work hard to be in that level where someone can say, okay, he's the guy, right? So you need to keep on investing time in yourself. Uh, I, I, I think, so the interesting point that I, I mean, uh, that kind of noticed is uh, you mentioned like, like scroll back has geek, right? It's in the developer years, but you were in that space before even getting started as a professional career, right? So, right, uh, which means if, so like, does a, a new community manager, does he or she has to have some kind of background in that space contributing to open source or a, or nonprofit or to get a, get the first job or is it necessary or is it okay to ignore this and then directly jump into the, the career aspect of it? Yeah, I think it is, um, I would say, ideally, it's good to have because, you know, if I, if I look at my own career, right, which is starting with Scrollback, the only reason that I got the job was because of my involvement with Mozilla. Like I was active on the mailing list. I was active in the community. So people knew me. And then, you know, they reached out to me saying, we have this position available. Would you be interested, right? It's all about the connections that you make. The previous community evangelist, uh, when she was moving on, she reached out to me and said, you know, are you interested in this role, uh, we're doing this open source chat platform or whatever, right? Um, and even then with Hasgeek, I've been involved with um, the uh, Save the Internet movement and a couple of other movements that that we've done with uh, the team at Scrollback and along with people from Hasgeek as well. So we knew each other and I also knew that there was like a good fit as they were really interested in investing in communities. So that's the reason I reached out to them saying, you know, I, I know what you can do better and this is why you should have me on board, right? That, that was a conversation with uh, Hasgeek at that point. And uh, that's how I got the role. So I think just speaking from my background, I would say, uh, and especially like if I'm looking to bring someone on board, right? If I'm looking to grow a team and bring someone on board, I would definitely look for someone with, ex with previous experience. Uh, it could be like volunteering, right? Even if you're volunteering, you're not getting paid for it, but you you're getting paid for it in terms of like experience that you're building and things that you're learning. Um, so I would say that it is ideal, but even, so the other thing is even you could discover your passion or your interest like way later, right? For me, I was fortunate enough to, you know, find out that I was really interested in open source and I wanted to continue with, uh, continue with it at a very early stage. But um, 
if you're still in the process of figuring that out, I think it's absolutely okay to uh, reach out to companies that you're specifically interested in. Like if there's a product that you really use and you really like, and then you want to be a part of the team, I think that would still count, right? So you don't necessarily need to have nonprofit or tech volunteering, you know, um, as, as an experience, but I think even just giving meaningful suggestions about the product or platform, um, anything that really shows your passion towards the role, I think that would really help. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Like uh, you need to be kind of be passionate about the product or, or the service or something that a, like a company is offering and kind of double down on what, how you can help improve that. And that is how you can actually build build some build a rapo or something like that right uh, so uh, your so you worked like i'm um, not like you worked for mozilla and as a as a contributor uh, as a volunteer for many many years and then you have been on the on, like on the parallelly you have been working on with companies right how did you manage your time like i'm like i'm sure like it was heavy work for you because uh, by doing two things at the same time yeah um, so i am someone who thrives on doing multiple things at the same time um, i have to be in this constant state of doing something always so either i'm like learning something or contributing to something or figuring out something right i think that sort of constant in the go sort of situation has helped me um helped me a lot and i think uh, and that is not for everyone right obviously like a lot of people like people are obviously different so that's that's worked for me that's what i enjoy um and i think specifically about mozilla i think i've been very transparent with most of the organizations that i've worked with saying that i am going to be contributing to be to other projects so are you okay with that like that during the uh conversation phase with the with the team i always ask that question um unfortunately all of these organizations were more than happy to allow me to do that uh, even if you know as long as it's not interfering with their work obviously yeah. um but i think for me it is about finding and i think over the years my involvement has reduced as well mozilla obviously focuses on like a lot of different projects so uh, initially i was like super involved like doing 100 different things now i focus on one thing which i am really passionate about uh so for instance like right now i'm contributing to the internet health report which is you know trying to figure out what are the internet health issues in different parts of the world so we highlight that uh, together with the team at mozilla and then we uh, put together like a report and stuff um so i'm contributing to the 2021 uh, version of the report where we're just highlighting all of this stuff that's happening around you know uh, digital literacy privacy and surveillance and shutdowns and you know whole bunch of things around the issues on the internet um and most of these calls are like after you know my regular work so it's usually in the evening so i'm able to uh work on that and it's also like mozilla as a team is very like uh, decentralized right they work across different countries and all of that and so all of the communication mostly happens asynchronously which i think is super important in you know inclusion of volunteers from around the world so that you still have your chance to give your feedback or opinion on different things so i think they as an organization have also played that contributor path very well um and so i think yeah i think that sort of 
situation helped me do that and obviously like i'm also like really passionate about that right so it's not really work for me it's something that i really enjoy doing so um, i think that plays a key role yep yep uh, i guess makes sense uh, yeah so uh, i think my like the question is for you like tell us something interesting that you worked on a project or something uh like uh, like building a community for developers like how is it different what is involved how would you get your first 100 users if you are building something like that sure i think the key thing about working with developers is that they they can identify your bullshit right they can like see right through it you can't really fool around with them you can't really uh show them show them something very fancy and then you know once you remove the curtains it's all like a, a burning house behind that uh, that doesn't work with developers especially in open source because you know all of your work is out there in the open so you can't really lie about it as well right um so i think my approach has always been trying to understand like, even before you join an organization right just try to understand what is the community like how how are users interacting with the product how what has there has there been any feedback loop at all uh in terms of you know are they vocal about the community like if you take like the free software movement foundations yeah. uh you know team right they're all very vocal they say okay this is not a policy that we agree with there can be disagreements right and i think that's perfectly normal um but i would say like going from a 0 to 100 or a 50 right that is that is key right it's it's not only about building a community it is also dependent on what you're trying to solve right the problem that you're trying to solve with your product or platform or whatever right so then you have this then you sort of figure out okay is this like a real pro- problem versus a perceived need right an actual need versus perceived need this is you know you would look at the product market fit and all of that so that is all your job and then once you sort of figure out that this is an actual need that people have right and then you realize then you sort of focus on okay which avenues do you use for customer acquisition or user acquisition or whatever right? uh so this could be you know should talking specifically about developer communities this could be um a post on reddit you know relevant subreddit or a hacker news forum or or even like your individual network right there could be the the reason that you found out that this is a problem was specifically because you were working on something and you tried to solve that right you couldn't find something good enough or either there was nothing good enough for your problem specifically or uh, it didn't it just does not exist right there's no there's nothing that you want that uh, that can solve your problem and and so then you sort of dig into okay which are the avenues that i can reach out to where these similar set of people facing the similar set of problems are available right and then you sort of talk to them right from the initial phase right right from gathering requirements right to actually building it out and then keep them informed about all of your progress right if you're building a platform for you know onboarding people with like new apis and stuff right keep them informed saying that okay this is the stage that i'm in and now i want your feedback like keep them involved in the entire process which means that they are also invested in some way um the only key thing that you have to note here is you have to be mindful and cognizant about their time uh, especially if you're asking them you know for free like you're not compensating them you should really be aware that they have their own priorities in life their their focus is not your project but um if they've you know expressed interest in helping you out you can ask them for their inputs and all of that um and then really like with, with as the platform grows right as you grow the community uh 
it starts with like your super users or you know advocates or whatever you want to call it right and then you sort of spread spread that through your network effect and whatever and then you also like figure out engagement strategies you then you so it's basically like breaking it down into three which is you know growth engagement and retention right you want to bring people together you want to engage them so that they do not leave right so you want to like essentially retain them so uh so yeah i mean i would say that it is it is a challenge but obviously as long as you are invested in this entire process or you're not doing this just for namesake if if like the the example would be if a community member gives you like a useful feedback or user user suggestion and you do not incorporate that then there's no reason for them to next time you know come come to you the next time with a feedback or something because right? you're not going to listen to them anyways so i think yeah, it's yeah. maintaining a fine balance between that and then uh, growing the community by actually investing in them absolutely right so uh, i mean when you get someone like when you are in a community building product um, and you i mean it's not that you have on your website or a landing page it says we are here for the community right you need to be actually very serious about what you are trying to do like you need to figure out like if i am getting a feedback do i actually implement those in my product or not right uh, i mean it's not like just say okay we are here for the community like you need to be very serious and then then that's how it works and the other part of i think which also like which i mean could be very helpful is uh, like like if you are starting out with your product actually go where your audience is like where other developers is right like you can't be just today like announce on any your social media that hey uh, i'm building this right so i'm i'm sure you will get like uh, like less than 5 10 engagement like if you just consider your friends so you need to be in that that uh, that that part of the part of the community where there are actual real developers out there who are doing something right which absolutely. is definitely going to help you a lot when you are starting out yeah absolutely i think it's uh, especially like you know if you're building like a product or whatever right now now with everything being online especially during covid right it's it's all the more easier because you have all of this you know webinars and you're in fact like you know this zoom uh you know zoom stress is real right which with, with zoom fatigue is real because all of this companies are doing webinars all of this communities are doing webinars everyone's doing webinars right so i think it's an opportunity for you to like actually listen to what your people are saying and what their problems are and then trying to build that genuine connection not to like sell them right if i want to build something right now i don't want to make connection with rafi as someone who i would sell to in the future but i want to like maintain that genuine connection so that next time i want to sell something i can ask for your advice and input on on the same yeah 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 fair enough uh so uh just uh walk walk us through like your learnings in the community manager management like in 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 a, as a domain starting up because i'm sure when you started there were less resources so how would you get yourself can acknowledge or kind of uh familiar with things uh, metrics engagement all those templates and how to go forward like how would you do that because today if i cover the inter- internet i'll find tons of resources but back in the day i'm sure you were facing difficulties yeah i think the challenge obviously was that there wasn't enough uh, people that you can look up to right there wasn't there weren't like a peer group that you can talk to about your problems sure there were you know cmx and uh, fiverb and all of which have been 
uh, the community roundtable, all of them have been like extremely important resources for me. When I was learning, uh, I used to literally spend hours just on the website reading blogs and you know on their Twitter feed reading through the tweets and all of that. I think they that that significantly helped me. But um, what is more helpful right now, uh, given that we have all of these people, you have so I was doing like a LinkedIn search the other day, and we have like a hundred thousand people in India listed you know, listing community management as their profession, right? Which, which, which is not like an end indicator of something like it's, it's not, it does not indicate that the community industry is flourishing, but you at least know that people are familiar with this uh, than it was back in like 2015 or 2014, right? Um, which is a good sign, I would say. I think now, at least in this, you know, 100,000 people, if there are like at least 100 people or 200 people or 1,000 people that you can talk to and figure out you know, share your problems, right? This is this is something that I'm specifically facing in my industry. Uh, how have you solved this? And I think a lot of the skills are also like interdisciplinary, right? In the sense that it it, it is not just pertaining to one field. It is not just specifically to like developer communities. You would still apply the same principles for, you know, across different communities. So um, when starting out, it was also like very experimentative, right? Uh, especially at a startup at the scale of, uh, that which I worked at, which is like eight people uh, with with uh, barely any funding and all of that, right? Which means that we had to do a lot of different things. So community management, as we know today, like today I know better. I know what entails community management. But back in the day, I was doing marketing, growth, social media, content, sales. Everything was just like one person. So I think that's been my biggest learning in terms of understanding what this specific role entails and not do the work of like, 10, 20 different people. Um, but I think that's also, it's inevit inevitable when it's a, a small company. Uh, but as you grow, you sort of know that, okay, this is your specialization and uh, this is what you want to sort of continue with. So I think that that would be my key takeaway. But I think through that process, the good thing that happened was I learned a lot about each of these different uh, avenues as well. Like I learned how to write better I, I can at least like significantly better when before i started out i can write better content i can uh talk to people better i can you know sell stuff at least significantly better when i started off so i think it's been a learning um but but yeah now that you have all of these resources it's uh especially helpful uh to to learn about different aspects of community management yeah, I mean, so like you get hired as a community manager, and then you're you're told, okay, you have to do social media. Like that should be that will be so bad reaction from the person who got hired. Like what? This is not something I'm signed up for. Yeah, I mean, now 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 that you say it's interesting, right? Now now that you say that, a lot of people realize the difference. But uh, back in the day, they they there's not enough. Uh, understanding about all of this, especially in India, to figure out, okay, I, this is not what I'm really, you know, signing up for. Uh, and I think a lot of people also like don't have the agency, right? They don't, they're not experienced enough to have that voice and like push back and say that, you know, this is not my, it's not part of my role. Um, and that comes with experience and, uh, you know, a whole lot of other factors as well. Yep. Yep. So uh, you spoke about uh, growth marketing, all the other stuff that you did. I mean, I mean, if it's a startup, you have ki kind of do multiple things by wearing multiple hats uh, because you have these like less resources and constraints. You have time constraints. So, uh, okay, uh, like, what's how do you, like if you have any kind of skills, right? Like, be a community manager or something, and you ha your task is to grow a community, right? 
So, and you do it from audience. Like you, the first step of building a community, I mean, I could be wrong, but the first step is, you know, you have to grow the number of audience, the number of people that you have on what you are doing. And that's one of the gateway to, you know, funnel the, it, like it's kind of a funnel wherein you have an audience, you have a community, then you have like super users and fans. And then you have a, a, a people like a cult or something like that, where, you know, they're like passionate about what you're doing. Like no matter what they will go above and beyond to help you out. Right. So how do you do that? Like what's if like, what's like, uh, give us an example of the audience. Give us an example of a community. Like, is there a good community that is like born out of something like that? Sure. Um, so I think it's, <clears throat> it's, it's also interesting, right? I mean, if you look at the whole, uh, and, and my limited purview is within tech, right? Specifically within just within tech. So there could be a lot of different communities that, you know, I've also interacted with people who have, who are building community of artists, who are building community of writers and, you know, uh, uh, music community around music and books and all of that. So there's a lot of interesting work going on going on in the space uh, broadly. But like, and a lot of these are also like meetups. Like if you consider like meetup groups, right? They're also, in a sense, a community, right? It could be it could be something from an AWS meetup where you know people are talking about Amazon uh, Web Services and all of that to something like a, a bike riding meetup where people still have that sort of shared sense of identity and purpose and all of that. Um, so I would say that you don't necessarily have to have an audience in the sense that it is good to have, it is a great addition to your, you know, build, building the community process in the process of building that community, you sort of have an audience, but I would say, don't wait until you have that audience in order to build your community. Don't say that until I reach hundred people who are following me on, you know, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, I won't start my community building efforts. I think that should go parallelly. You should still, you know, obviously we know that consistency and, you know, content and all of this plays a really huge role in building the community. But uh, to specifically answer your question, I would say an audience is essentially like a one directional conversation. Like right? you are talking to your followers on Twitter or your uh, people on Instagram, right? That's very one directional. You are not really seeking input from them. Sure, there is the functionality for them to comment and tweet. Yeah at you, but you're not really building that, right? You're just like, you're just like a celebrity who wants to like push out content saying that, okay, this is what I'm building. Uh, whereas in a community, I think a lot of people have equal agency in the sense that all of the voices are heard at the same time. And then you know that everyone can speak and then their, their action, their, their uh, inputs are really validated by your community. So I think that would be a key difference. And I think some, some communities that I've been a huge fan of is the, uh, the team BHP community, right? Uh, they have a huge following in terms of both in terms of like people who are getting interested in like vehicles and cars and, you know, driving and all of that to actual fans who I've seen like Jeeps stuck uh, with the sticker of like team yeah. BHP who are like proudly wearing that as a sign of, you know, association with the team or the community, right? Um, so I think that's something that I've really looked up to as a community from uh, specifically from India. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this could be, uh, you know, an interesting point where like, if you build that community where people love you a lot, like they would proudly wear like a t-shirt, like sticker lap, a sticker on a laptop or a vehicle and do a show off because they're proud and of, of 
they are proud because they are part of that community since years uh, because because you know from the starting they have like the team bhp or or any brand have built that kind of uh, a belonging or something where people love to be part of right yeah actually very true right so uh, shares like uh, what is like community building like how important is for you personally what keeps you motivated like yeah i think um like i mentioned before right which is actually being able to see the growth of your community members is something that really excites me i think uh, you you are a great example right i mean the first time that we interacted right which was about scroll back and then you know i came to your university i spoke to you i spoke to people at your university and then seeing your progression uh, you know to joining you know the community industry and uh, making a name for yourself and now now we are having this conversation i think examples like that make me really proud like you can actually witness this journey uh, and that's also because the relationship that we've built right it's not because of an organization but it's also about like the personal relationship that we've built with the community members uh, which is way more important to me than than any specific organization because you know you can leave an organization and you can just go on but that's that sort of relationship still sticks with uh, people um so i think really seeing that progress progress in terms of where people are heading uh, and being you know having at least a small role to play a part in that i think uh, is is means a lot to me so i think that's what keeps me motivated about building communities and really talking to people and understanding you know uh, how we can all build this community together and also like really learn from them right i've learned a ton from you i think uh, i've learned a ton from all of the interactions that i've had with different community members that i've spoken to so i think uh, that is what really drives me at this point yep, yep. uh makes sense uh yeah so you can leave the organization but i mean i mean if you have built up like personal relationship then like it goes for years and years uh and even if you, you and you're not in the same organization anymore uh, right uh, okay let this is very like interesting for me and i'm sure for most of most of the people in the uh, as a community professional right like shares uh, your profile is your base out of india and you have worked for the companies outside of india that's like remote work and you are very vocal about remote work also right and this could be like a dream opportunity for a lot of people in india who love to be a part of organizations outside right doing remote work how did you land your first one and what are the advice that you could give to people who actually wants a remote work and who wants to get a job at something which is not in india i mean i'm i'm not saying india is bad i'm saying just like you know there there could be some uh, some interesting company startup who is in in the valley and who would love to have a community manager like what are your tips to do that um wait for covid or another global pandemic so that the world moves remote <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah i mean i mean on a serious note i would say that um it not now i would say that things are a lot different than back when i started remote uh, which is around 3 years ago which is when i sort of moved full time remote um and i've been remote ever since right so i don't really for me it's just like a normal 
life right now it's it's nothing uh, fancy because right? this is the way that i want to work uh, and i've sort of made that very clear as well so um i would say that start by volunteering uh, at least that really helped me because especially in open source right when you're sticking to this niche um start by volunteering with organizations that especially in tech with all of these opportunities i would say uh, show that you can work remotely you can execute projects you can show that you are accountable you can get work done without you know micromanagement and you are really focused on what you're working on um that really helps uh, remote employers build trust uh secondly have the expertise that they are looking for right uh, i would say a lot of people that are putting out this job descriptions if you think that you qualify for at least 70% uh, apply for it don't don't worry about anything the the, mo the most thing that the the the, the thing that you're going to lose out is on time that you spend applying right it's not going to like it's not they're not going to come back at you like why did you apply for this role it's it's not right 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 no you don't have to worry about that part so i think um, wait for you know opportunity look out for opportunities like that and really consider applying and the most important advice is even if you are even if the job is not explicitly listed as remote don't wait for a remote opportunity because if you're waiting for a remote opportunity it means that there are you're competing with you know uh, candidates from all over the world right essentially anyone in india anyone in in uh, the us anyone in the uk anyone anywhere in the world can find that job listing and they can apply for it so you're competing with a larger pool which is good if you think that you have the specific skill set and if you think that you can crack it it's it's great but um otherwise i would say reach out to roles even if they are not explicitly listed as remote if you really want it tell them that you know you have this experience working remotely um and you would really this is how you see that uh, you can help them out right so the 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 biggest tip would be apply with a cover letter because if you're not applying applying with a covering letter the 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 role is already listed as us a lot of these companies have restrictions as well like in terms of where they can hire a lot of the bigger companies do uh, a lot of the smaller companies don't really uh, have that restriction it's just a matter of like ease of working with people and colleagues so i think that that has been always my approach which is even if i don't see a role that is specifically listed as uh, remote i would still apply for it and uh, especially if it's something that i'm interested in i would definitely go and apply for it um but it is not to say that it doesn't come with its own set of challenges because uh, there's obviously this whole remote first and remote friendly and you know all of this concept which is if the organization is if you are the only person at the organization that's working remotely you will have a lot of challenges so it isn't for everyone uh, a lot of people thrive on you know in office work they want to like shut down their laptop after they leave work and all of that which is totally understandable right it's it's a set of people who who perform better like that but um for me i am a little more productive later in the day i don't you know i don't really tend to work a lot in the morning and uh, for me it just works that you know i work in the europe or uh, us time zone because i can just stay up a little later towards the day um so that would be the remote challenges with work uh, especially in terms of like collaborating with colleagues uh, the other thing obviously that not a lot of people speak about is the taxes and uh, you know how do you handle like foreign transactions coming into you your account you still have to like set up for gst you have to file your gst returns and you know you have to hire a ca and all of that which is all minor challenges but that to we still have to acknowledge acknowledge those challenges it's not like all rosy um and you also have challenges while traveling uh, especially when you're working remotely because 
you uh, a lot of these countries that you travel to would require a letter from your employer stating that you are on leave right because they don't really like the world isn't equipped to handle remote work at least until you know covid happened so it meant that i would have to like write, reach out to all of my employers each time i was traveling to a new country and tell them that can you send me a leave letter i mean i won't definitely be on like leave leave i would still be working cuz you know we uh, we don't have to be you don't have to take a leave cuz we're still working but um, but yeah legally they would have to like send me a letter saying that okay this person is on leave from so and so date so for the last i think 2018 or 2019 i was uh, traveling for like 6 7 months and then uh, if you look at the leave letter stated it would mean that i was on leave for like 6 months straight but i was still working so i think those are the challenges uh, those are the interesting challenges that come with uh, remote yeah yeah i mean so one of the interesting like i think find is also like uh, hit that button is i mean it's a silicon valley culture i mean of course like people you know uh, they create a hype they create i mean they i mean they are, they do something amazing and they create a hype which is absolute i mean which is okay uh, and other thing is like uh, like I mean, when you talk about the remote work like it's not necessary that the job description has a remote tag in it but uh, and even regarding the experience like someone says okay i need like eight years of experience right uh, so uh, so i found out something like, again very interesting that you know figma there's this there's this company called figma for like uh, i think they are also remote but they are like design based uh, and it's not been even like 5 6 years since they launched and and in a job description there was like uh, eight years of figma like and the company founder was like what like you should get you should you guys should hire me like i've been working and you guys just mentioned some kind of random uh, years of experience right so i think the most important thing here is to kind of just hit the send button right upload like do a good cover letter and then just you know let's go let's see what happens next i mean you don't have anything to lose even if you don't have an experience right like what if what if someone you know, sees your background a, a recruiter or someone who is responsible for hiring looks at it and okay this is very interesting it, like they might not have like a lot of experience but based on the work they have, they have done it looks really promising like right? maybe they just send an email hey let's talk right which is again it's your first step of progress so i think that that's very important just hit the send button like don't wait for anything absolutely i agree yeah. so uh, here's the like again uh, what's your favorite place of work like you have been working as a remote so where would you go travel to and work for like as a remote worker like for like <laughs> six months to 12 months straight without coming back um that that would be really tough um, i don't see myself working out of one place for 6 months unless it's my home like my actual yeah. home in bangalore but um, especially outside i would say uh, one place that i really enjoyed working from is uh, maldives um, with the water i'm i'm definitely like a, a beach person and not a mountains person so i really enjoyed that um, which meant that you know after the after getting your work done or in the middle of the work you can just go for a swim and then come back and do all those fancy uh, fancy thing that you you know hear about like the digital nomad life yeah. um but i think it's also important for all these people talking about the digital nomad life to also show the other side which is 
you're still like traveling away you are you know disconnected from your actual you know people that are around you your family or whatever right and those relationships that you built so everything is still not like rosy and as the instagram picture suggests right but you still need to acknowledge that this is uh, but i think those experiences really teach you a lot like talking to different people uh, understanding cultures and uh, obviously eating the food right uh, it's all it's all part of the experience and i think that really teaches you a lot uh, so if given a chance i would i think i would probably like the only place that i would visit for a second time is probably maldives yeah uh, so uh, where could our audience go to find you uh, where are you online i am uh, everywhere uh, i am on uh, twitter instagram linkedin uh, you can just search my name is pretty long and pretty unique so if you search specifically for shreyas narayan kutte you can find me uh, on uh, different websites um, where you can get in touch with me all right so uh, great talking to you it was pleasure uh, shreyas after a long time uh, so many valuable like wisdom uh, we like good luck and stay safe in bangalore yeah that's our end of the episode